This is another WriterCast, Episode 9. Join me as I travel through and sample 20 years of Heisei-era Common Writer. Today I'm going to be talking about Common Writer Kiva. So let's start off with the meta information. Common Writer Kiva aired from January 27, 2008 to January 18, 2009. The first episode was entitled, Fate, Wake Up! Second episode was Sweet, Father and Son Violin. The first two episodes were written by Toshiki Inoue. They were directed by Ryuta Tasaki. Oh, I have such a hard time with that name. And the uh, suit actor of uh, note for this episode is Seiji Takawa, who played Kamen Rider Kiva. The OP, which we hear, is called Break the Chain. The lyricist, like usual, was uh, Fujibayashi Shoko. The composer was Shuhei uh, Naruse. And for the arrangement, uh, there's a lot of stuff here copied straight from the uh, wikia and I'm going to read to you. So it, the arranger, supposedly, was the same as the singer, Turbulon, with Shuhei Naruse. Um, and then there's like a different version of it that has, uh, which is this Nippon Columbia version, uh, which is arranged by uh, Yasuma Sato. And then the uh, Rider Chips version, uh, Sher Watanabe was the arranger there. So... I don't know if Cher's a man or a woman, but that's interesting. Uh, again, the singer of the actual song, um, you know, the guy who says Buck Buck Beating Heart, um, or Bomb Bomb, whatever, is uh, this Turbulon, or Turbulon, Turbulon? It's almost like Billion, but without an eye. And uh, anyway, they did the Ryder Chips version, apparently, or no. Is there the different versions? I don't know. Anyway, the whole music thing is very complicated to me. And I should probably drop it because it's too much. Um, so I will go ahead and move on to talking about the premise of Common Rider Kiva. Common Rider Kiva's premise is quite muddy by the end of episode two. The story spans 22 years and shows a small group fighting against the Fangire who prey on humans. In 1986, Yuri Aso meets Otoya Kurenai. In 2008, his son Wataru Kurenai is living a cloistered life in between fighting Fangire as Kiva. And then there's Megumi, who is the daughter of Yuri, who is also part of this group fighting the Fangire. And there's at least one other person fighting the Fangire alongside her, who's, yeah, but that's about it. This time for the cast, I'm going to give a brief description of all of them and then talk about their dynamics together. So the first person we meet uh, from 2008 is Wataru. Uh, he becomes Commander Kiva. He believes he is above or beyond human and doesn't want to be contaminated by them. He is the son of Otoya Kurenai, and he's trying to build a uh, violin like his dad's. Megumi is a model who fights the Fengire like her mother, Yuriaso, and uh, she's got an interesting personality. Going back to 1986, we have Yuri Aso. Yuri works at Cafe Moldemore by day and fights Fengire by night, but also during the day sometimes. Uh, she is uh, serious and courageous, a capable fighter, and she is scared of a puppy owned by the owner or master of the cafe. Shizuka calls herself Watru's mom. She helps take care of him from uh, talking for him in public to minding the store while he is away. Uh, Kivat the Third. He's like a butler to Wataru. He bites him to help him transform and can also fight a bit. And he kind of gives him advice too. And he does some interesting different things. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about Kivat. He's a very interesting, weirdest toy character that I've met so far. Anyway, uh, then there's Shima who issues orders to Megumi and at least one other operative who I mentioned earlier. Uh, his name is Nago Keisuke, but we don't get to see him in this episode, although he is in the preview for episode three. 
Ochoya Kurenai is a master violinist and violin maker who has uh, quite who has quit, sorry, playing professionally. He does odd jobs instructing people in playing the violin. He's enamored by Yuri, um, and uh, he persistently gets himself involved in her life, and I'm not 100% sure why, just yet, uh, other than he's getting wants to get to know her better. Then we've got Shima. He issues orders to Yuri based on intelligence gathered on the Fengire's activities. And then we've got Master. Uh, he and Shima banter. Uh, he employs Yuri, and his name seems to be Kido based on the uh, the notes in his little notebook of this competition with uh, with um, with Shima. Uh, so generally, the chemistry between the cast uh, or the characters and and uh, in their different realms uh, is interesting. As I mentioned, um, Shima and uh, Master have like a real interesting, playful banter. Um, Cafe Maldemar is frequented by people in both 1986 and 2008. I mean, principal cast members, of course, and then their supporting cast. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, the inter- I'm going to start with Yuri. Uh, she's a really cool character. I really like her. Um, I've seen Kiva all the way through, and the first time I watched it, I was just waiting for her to become a common writer, because that's how she seemed, and that's how she seems in this first episode, and it's all very interesting. Uh, Otoya, on the other hand, is very interesting. Um, he's not so frustrating just yet, um, but I like I really don't get him. I don't get that type of man, um, but at the same time, he kind of comes off as a enjoyable idiot or fool uh, who I actually like watching his exploits. Um, and I don't know if that's because of me watching through the second time, even though it's been um, probably close to two years since I've seen Kiva uh, or what, but um, I don't know. He, he's an interesting guy because he does some things. Like, he obviously is interested in Yuri in a amorous fashion, um, but he does stuff like he pretends that he's trying to I don't know, creep on her or, or whatever, invade her personal space, but it's because he steals her gear uh, in order to fight a Fengire, and that doesn't seem normal. And she even brings up to him, uh, like, "Hey, not you know, seeing these monsters doesn't freak you out or anything. Like, what's wrong with you? Who? Like, what kind of person are you?" And that's just that's very interesting because I'm not sure what kind of person he is, and I'm I'm not well. Anyway, that's all I'll say for now. So that's interesting. Uh, Shima and Yuri have like just a, a very basic uh, boss subordinate relationship. There doesn't seem to be anything special about them. Um, I think that's all the people she interacts with in the past. And then going up to 2008, um, we've got, uh, Wataru and Megumi, uh, they're, or, you know, I'm going to start with Wataru and Shizuka, or, yeah, um, their relationship is interesting. Like, I don't know where she comes from or why she sticks around Wataru to help him, but, uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm guessing they're neighbors, maybe, and that they interacted with each other somehow, in childhood or something like that. Um, I think he's supposed to be in school. No, he's tw- he should be like 22 now, but she's a high schooler. So even more so, I don't quite understand how they got together. But I enjoy her interactions with him and how there's like a, a tension, a push-pull. Like she wants to be able to pull him out into the world, but she seems content to, for now, be by his side and like guide him through it. Um, trying to, I guess, like help the guy out because he's, a, I don't know, a bit of a sucker. Um, and, you know, she's capable and, and can can bear the burden, I guess you could say, of all that, which is interesting. Um, let's see. Let's go to uh, Shima and Megumi. Again, another like pretty straight boss-employee uh, relationship. Uh, so nothing too surprising there. Um, 
Now going to uh, Watru and Kivat because they're a natural pair. Uh, like they seem to have lived together for quite some time. And uh, like Kivat is giving him advice and kind of talking down to him. Like he feels like he's an older person who deserves some respect from Wataru. and But there seems to be like a familiarity and an intimacy between them. Uh, and not just because the tub thing, but just, you know, in general. Uh, so that's interesting. And then Wataru and Megumi... Uh, he remarks on the fact, or like he doesn't deny, well, he's not interested in her beauty, uh, but he doesn't deny that he thinks she's beautiful. Uh, but Kivat mentions something about it, and he's like, no, I'm not thinking about her at all, I'm thinking about this other thing. Uh, oh, about the, the, you know, me potentially being human, and, or, you know, just as low as humans and how terrible that is. Um, but it's funny because she, like, tries to pull him, like, Shizuka kind of, like, tries to guide Wataru out of his shell, maybe, but Megumi, straight up, she pulls the mask off of his face, she's, you know, moving his arms, pumping him, uh, him, like, pumping his arms up and down and telling him to breathe in and stuff, and, um, she just takes a very different approach, and... Uh, whereas I might say that Shizuka, you know, could harbor an interest in Watru, I don't think Megumi has any interest in, in him at all, you know, romantically. Um, and, uh, that proves out later in the series with some comments that she makes, but just even from this episode, like, she makes the comment, like, oh, you're actually cute under that mask, or surprisingly cute under that mask. How interesting. Um, but, like, not like she's interested, it's just a fact that she mentions. Um, but she probably has, you know, attractive guys running after her all the time being a model. Uh, so... I don't know, just very weird, uh, interesting character dynamics. Um, it'd be interesting. To, I mean, like, I'm intrigued by the whole mention of Nago and uh, how Shima is, you know, managing him. And he's saying, like, oh, don't tell Nago about this because he's going to try to kill Kiva. And, like, so what's this guy like? Um, I mean, and she tried to shoot Kiva, but it didn't work. Um, you know, was she not trying to kill him? Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, but that's, I think that's all I really want to say about the character. Well, I'm going to go back to... Um, to uh, Otoya and Yuri. He's obviously romantically interested in her, uh, or at least that's what he presents, and she does not seem to be romantically interested in him at all, and she keeps pushing off his advances, but uh, he makes a comment to her about how he's her, you know, destined man or whatever because she ends up going to protect this violinist, and he's actually there instructing the violinist, and she's shocked that he's there, and he just kind of plays it off blithely, like he was unaware of, of anything, and says, oh, it, it must be destiny. And um, he makes all these innuendos and kind of advances and passes at her, and she just shrugs them off and deflects them. And I know, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, it's a very interesting dynamic. Obviously, Kurenai, uh Otoya is Wataru's dad, but, you know, we don't know at, the, at this point in the show who his mom is. Um, if it turns out to be Yuri, that's very interesting because... Uh, Megumi is Yuri's daughter, so that would make them actual brother and sister. Uh, but, you know, we don't know any of that, and the show keeps jumping back and forth in time and stuff, so, like, it, it doesn't quite make sense, and why would he be her brother? And it just, there's very, there's like a whole set of intriguing character relationships that are set up and alluded to here, and uh, they intrigue me, and I pretty much just enjoy all the uh, interactions between the cast so far. Like, there's the cute little thing about Yuri being scared of the dog at Maldemore, um... Uh, Kido's dog, and like I'm pretty sure the dog in 2008 can't be the dog from '86 because it's a 20 year span, and dogs usually don't live that long. So, um, anyway, it's just kind of funny that there's the through line though of the puppy back then and then the adult dog, you know, in the present. Uh, so, anyway, that's a uh, oh, and then another thing is like Kido, uh, 
seems to have enough of a familiarity with Megumi that when she's scolding Shizuka and giving her a real rough time uh, when they're all together in the restaurant, he's just like, oh man, Megumi's not even showing any mercy to a girl, like a fellow woman. Like, so there's, there's no sisterhood or solidarity. She's just, you know, going, she's firing on a, you know, a full assault. And it kind of suggests to me that he, there's a familiarity there with, with them too. But maybe um, if she, you know, she's Megumi's daughter and or Yuri's daughter, and, and she worked at Maldemore with Kido, then I guess that would make sense that there would be a familiarity there. So it's just, the more I think about it, the more interesting all the relationships are between the cast. And I, I think everybody blended well together. Okay, I'm very excited to talk about design this episode, because there's really three factions of design to talk about. We've got the Fengire, we've got Kiva, and we've got the group, or the hunters, the key, the Fengire hunters, I'll call them right now. Uh, that is one scary-looking horse orphanock. By the way, we get a horse, uh, a spider in the first episode, a horse in the second episode, or also in the first? Yeah, also in the first, and then an octopus in the second episode. So if you're watching the video version of this, uh, you're getting to see some of these designs up close and personal, and I gotta say, I love the Fengire designs. Uh, stained glass appeals to me, because I think it's beautiful. I have, I, I kind of grew up uh, semi-Catholic, so seeing stained glass in the church and stuff, and I just think it's really cool. There's a great thing with the octopus where even her long tentacled arm, it like has a rainbow gradient on it with the black, you know, um, leaded parts in between. And there's just so many great shots of um, of the stained glass from all over the place. And it's, it's nice. I, I don't know if all of them have like a rainbow gradient, but they mostly seem to, and it's like they've got this base black, um, you know, material on them and then it's supposed to there's also supposed to be in between all the coloring this you know patchwork or gradient representing the lead in between stained glass um and then like the so that's a really beautiful really it's striking aesthetic but then also the fangar have these things that they can do where they can like transform their bodies beyond their human disguises and their fangar forms they can manipulate their fangar forms and like the octopus for some reason creates wheels like spinning a spiked spinning wheel type design for itself and it gives itself these like roller blades of death that it tries to run away from Kiva with and then tries to attack him um okay so they all kind of have their own distinct color patterns uh like the spider has a lot of yellow and green and pink and purple I guess whereas the octopus was like red orange and yellow uh and then its tentacles have like a rainbow gradient on them which is interesting and uh like they have exposed mouths and opening mouth parts even the octopus had like a mouth uh, on like its sternum or at the bottom of its sea bone or breastbone uh like like an octopus would have and it was almost like the back was the mantle and then there were all the tentacles everywhere and then some another amazing transformation thing they can do the horse we get to see in episode one it breaks off a part of its arm or the glass from its arm and then the glass falls into shards that turn into a sword at its feet and then it picks it up and fights Watru with that um so that's really interesting all the design stuff looks really cool um Something creepy, creepy and cool, is that when the Fengire attack people, they don't have to be in their full monster form. They get this uh, stained glass work on their necks and cheeks, and then they attack people, and it, they, like, turn them into clear glass. Like, they're sucking the life, the color, I don't know what that's supposed to represent, out of them. And uh, that's pretty darn interesting. So, then going back over to Wataru, um, when he transforms, he has... Uh, Kivat bite him on his hand, veins begin to spider out from where he's bitten, and then on his face he has a Fengire-like pattern of uh, red and yellow streaks coming up onto his face from, like, his chest, and there's, it looks like stained glass too, so, like, he's very much pulling from their aesthetic 
in the same way that, you know, writer, like the original writer did, you know, having a s- similar link to the design and origin of uh, his enemies, you know, from Shocker. So um, after that, you know, Watcher gets the lines on his face. So like, you know, kind of fangiery looking and then uh, chains form around his waist and then it turns into his belt. And then Kiva actually hangs upside down on his belt, which is brilliant, especially because of the fact that he's got these whistle things that he can put into Kivat's mouth and they can... Uh, do different things in this episode. In episode one and two, we see them used to uh, start up his finisher, which allows him to do this ridiculous, crazy, uh, powerful kick that destroys the enemies. Uh, something else Kivat does while he is in um, Watru's, you know, Kiva belt or whatever is uh, he can actually do stuff. He talks. Um, the horse finger tries to stab at Kiva in the gut, and um, Kivat bites it, um, which is really funny. And then the whole design behind the sequence of the rider kick is really really interesting it's very intricate he well i mean it's simple but kind of intricate at the same time he pulls out this like bat looking whistle thing he puts it in kivat's mouth um kivat gets up and flies around wataru or kiva and then he flies uh past his leg and uh, his right leg has armor kind of similar to his shoulder armor with um with chains all around it, and uh, Kivat flies around that, and the chains break open, and then uh, Kiva's right leg turns into this weird, like, bat-winged thing, and it has, like, these three green eyes on it, which um, I focused on. Uh, It just, it all looks very gothic, it looks very creepy, it looks very powerful and menacing, and it's very cool. Um, I kind of don't like how much of the rider kick is, like, a stock footage, personally, but... um, I think I understand why they did it, and uh, I think it looks pretty good. Uh, I didn't mind it at all in these two episodes, but it's crazy the way that he, you know, he kicks the the fangire, and then they almost, like, they're deteriorating from that form, and they're almost, like, turning into pure glass, and then he actually shatters them, and it's cool. The the three eyes on his leg light up, and they, like, there's three dot, three eyes, so one glows first, and then it passes to the second, and then the third, and then, like, energy is pushed out of there, and then it ends up shattering the Fangire altogether. And then it has this soul thing that he's got this uh, crazy dragon, which is called Castle Duran, I believe. Uh, it, like, flies out of a high-rise building, and then it's able to eat them, which is totally ridiculous, and, uh, like... I don't know if that was meant to sell toys or what, but anyway. And there's a really cool shot, a couple cool shots you get of his leg uh, in its open form, and it, it seals back up after he does the rider kick, which is pretty interesting. And then, like I said, the uh, castle comes along, and it eats, like, the soul of the Fangire or something. And uh, there's this really interesting thing that they say that, uh, like, God has erred in allowing Fangires to exist. That's what Yuri and Megumi both say, and, like, I'm going to rectify that, and that's pretty interesting. Speaking of Yuri and Megumi, they both have weapons that uh, are multi-purpose. They uh, have like a sword um, and a, like a whip. It kind of the sword breaks up and it's able to become like a whip that can be used for uh, grappling a fangire or striking them from far away, and then it can be reassembled for hitting them again. Um, we get to see. Uh, both Yuri and Megumi use weapons like this, although Yuri's weapon is like a sword with a, a whip lash chain thing, and Megumi's is more like a gun that has the ability to shoot out, you know, bullets or arrows, kind of, and then it does the whiplash thing as well, where she can kind of slack it and then use it to whip around. Uh, like I'd mentioned earlier, Otoya steals uh, her gear, and you get a closer look at it. It's interesting because it's like two sticks that snap together at a 45 degree angle or, or something weird. Um, 
and like I said, uh, she can use it in a like a sword form too. So it's a really interesting uh, set of weapons. Um, they share similar design features. They feature these wings on them uh, in different ways. And Megumi has this thing where she can like, it's like a gun uh, mainly, and she can load different things into it. I don't know if these different modules or, or clips or whatever that she puts in them serve different, or like how they serve different functions or if it's completely, you know, dependent upon you know, what's put in when, or, or if it's just a click of a button or what, but it's a really interesting thing, and I like the idea of it. I'd like to see more of the tech that they have. So what are my overall thoughts on Kamen Rider Kiva? Uh, these first two episodes, I really, really dig it. Um, I'm gonna share my bias with you. You know, it's a little late, but I... Kiva's my favorite Kamen Rider, maybe. Anyway, um like top three common writers for me as far as what I've enjoyed out of the, I don't know, 13 or so that I've seen. Um, and I don't just mean debuts. I mean, like I've seen to completion, like 13 seasons of common writer. Um, and I really, really, really like Kiva. I, I love like all the, like how intricate the narrative is. Uh, it kind of feels like it's a gimmick jumping between 86 and 2008, but uh, it's also, I don't know, very interesting and intriguing. And I'm wondering, um, like, I want to know what it's all about, and I, I really, um, I really want to watch more of it. I love the creepiness of the designs. The Fangire are, you know, seemingly great enemies, and, uh, like, all of his gear is really cool, and Watru seems like a really interesting character, especially having seen the series through once already, knowing the things I know. I really feel like watching it a second time, I would benefit greatly from it, especially because I started thinking of some, some different things about the other characters that I wasn't able to think about before because I didn't know them or know, like, the secrets behind them or the, you know, the all... I didn't know the full connections be between everybody, and I feel like knowing that all um, will help me to have a better understanding of who they are and what the, uh, you know, what Inoue and the creatives were going for when they structured the story in this way, so... I really like it. It's exciting. I love the music. Um, just everything's really, really good about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm here for Kiva. I, it, this is – it's partially nostalgia and it's partially because I like it so much. But watching this, this is one of the most joyful uh, watchings or, you know, viewings of a debut uh, pair of episodes for another writer cast that I've done so far. Besides Hibiki. Hibiki was amazing and Deno was really good. Um, but, I'm like, Deno – uh, Hibiki Kiva, they're like in the tops for me right now as far as enjoyability, not necessarily how good it actually is. Because maybe Kuga's better than them objectively, if you can say that. Uh, but I think I still like these ones better. If you enjoyed this, I'd love it if you would share it. Uh, you can subscribe, ring the not notification bell so you can get more of these. Um, this is uh, released on YouTube in a video format, and it's also released on mjmunoz.com in an audio-only format, but the video's linked there too, and there's, you know, maybe notes and different things. I'm trying to make it as a rich experience as I can uh, for y'all, so you can check that out. Um, but anyway, uh, I really hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I'm loving doing these, and uh, if you want to help me out, you know, drop a comment, tell me how to do better, and you can, uh, if you feel compelled to, you can support me through uh, coffee.com slash mjmunoz, because that's the thing I'm doing as I'm doing these and so much more.